Well, Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Yeah. My name is BJ. If you haven't met me, I'm a staff pastor here. Uh, I'm also one of those carded individuals, so if you need anything, let me know. Uh, this morning, before we dive into uh, the fourth and final Advent uh, series, I'm going to read a little bit of pa- uh, scripture over Mike and over us for this time as we remember that Jesus came for us. This is from Luke chapter 1. This is verses 67 through 79. You can listen along or follow along. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we having been rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Thanks, BJ. Merry Christmas again. I love saying it and I only get to say it a few times on Christmas Eve to everyone at once, so I may do it a couple more times, uh, unapologetically. Uh, Such a powerful passage of scripture to begin our time with um, when you think about Zechariah having gone through so much, um, you know, having lost his ability to speak and being corrected by God in a pretty firm way over the birth of his son, John the Baptist, and he speaks those amazing words, and we're going to look at them again in just a moment to kind of see how it connects Uh, with our study this morning, but if you would turn with me to Luke's gospel to chapter 2, we're going to conclude the season of Advent by considering our final topic this morning, and that's by looking at peace. We're going to talk about the peace um, that has been brought to us and sent to us, peace that was made with humanity through the birth of Christ, and the connotation of having peace implies wholeness and health, and security, and well-being, rest, and salvation, all in the biblical context. And I think that peace is something that we oftentimes know what it's like when we have peace, but it's hard to, like, define. Like, oh yeah, like, this is what peace is, because peace is actually something that we experience in a number of different ways in our lives. So you guys, as we look at Luke chapter 2 today, and as you turn there, and as we get prepared just to read this section... Let's consider carefully the words that preceded it coming from Luke chapter 1, which BJ just read, but I want to point out two verses at the end of chapter 1, verses 78 and 79, which says this, and this is Zacharias speaking. He says, because of God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet 
into the way of peace. That's a powerful passage. There's a lot more there if we dig into it. Because those who live in darkness must have their feet guided into the way of peace. It means that we don't find peace in this world by groping around trying to find our way. You can't achieve peace level in your life by searching for it on your own. You must have your feet guided into the way of peace. The Lord has to do it. It's going to be a work of God. And so because we'll never blindly find our way out of the shadow in which we dwell in our sin and loss and away from God, we can recognize and celebrate on Christmas that the introduction of our Savior into this world was a declaration of peace, but it was so much more than that. And we're all somewhat familiar, I think, of what a peace treaty is. We hear about them in our day today. They've been around for a while, and some believe that the first one ever recorded was between the Egyptians and the Hittites after the Battle of Kadesh in like 1274 BC. That's like the first recorded one. And so people looking like, okay, so we could say honestly that peace treaties are ancient, but we still understand what they are today. But for clarity, a peace treaty is a legal agreement between two or more hostile parties, usually countries or governments, which formally ends a state of war between the two parties, and it's a long-term cessation of hostility. So just to get, don't get bored with this, but this is important, okay? I am going somewhere, all right? Peace treaties are different from other international documents that control conflicts and that they're the culmination of international peace discussions and they seek permanent resolutions by establishing conditions for peace. They're not temporary. A peace treaty is intended to establish a permanent condition, okay? A peace treaty is not the same as a surrender when one party agrees to give up arms or a ceasefire in which parties agree to suspend hostilities temporarily, or an armistice agreement in which parties agree to stop hostilities but don't agree to long-term conditions of peace. Any or all of these documents, however, may precede the execution of a peace treaty between two parties. Conflicts might first end with the surrender of one or a compromise ceasefire agreement. These can be followed by an armistice agreement, as in the case of like the Korean War in 1953. But in such circumstances, permanent conditions for conflict resolution may be finally enunciated in a formal peace treaty once all of those things are done. Okay, that's all I'm going to talk about for peace treaties, okay? I promise. But think about what Luke 1, verses 78 through 79 says again. Listen to these words. They're going to be on the screen for you. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. Notice this, where we are. The dawn from on high is going to come to where you are to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Is that anything like what we understand a peace treaty to mean today? Does that look anything like what we see when we look at the actual legal documents that are drawn up to have an armistice agreement or a ceasefire or a peace treaty? That doesn't sound like two parties coming to a neutral location to have discussions at a table about how they come to an agreement of long-term peace, does it? That doesn't sound like that at all. That's because it's not. It's not the same at all as what God has done with us. This morning, I want to point out that all the beautiful truth of God's word points us to his interaction, his action, his complete salvation for people without us doing anything to save ourselves. 
I want to point out that as we discover or even perhaps remember what true peace is, the peace of God, what it actually is, that we would know him and we would know peace within. Because I don't know about you guys, but this last month has been really hard to find peace. Maybe this whole last year, I've talked to so many people in this last year, 2023, how brutal it's been on so many of you. It's been a very difficult year. It's been a very trying year. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're like, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I could define peace because I've been just fighting to find it all year long. Maybe you've come this morning and you don't come very often to church and you're visiting. And if you are visiting, you're so welcome here. I'm so glad you're here. I want to tell you this. If you've been looking for peace, if you've been longing for peace, let me just say this at the very onset before we read our next passage. Peace was sent to you. In fact, peace was made with you without any interaction on your part. You don't have to go looking for peace. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is here this morning. Amen? He is right here. And he longs to have peace with you. In fact, he did everything that was necessary to have peace with you. Let's dig into the text. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the the story of the birth of Christ. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I want to read for context the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 2, and then verse 14 is what we're really going to focus on this morning as we talk about peace. So let's read this together. If you have a Bible with you, if you don't, there's one in the pew right in front of you. Grab a Bible, find Luke chapter 2. You can read along as I read aloud, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This is the word of the Lord. We read those first 13 verses for context, and as we look at verse 14, notice how it connects with what Zechariah prophesied. As his son was born, and he had named him John, and the Lord opened his mouth in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah had prophesied not only about the ministry of his son, but about what the Savior and his interaction in our world was going to look like. And here the angels declare and agree with that prophetic voice of Zechariah, that peace is going to be the result of the coming of God in human flesh. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth to people he favors. Peace has come to earth in a manger. If you're unfamiliar, a manger was a feeding trough for animals. 
You know, if you wonder why it was so peculiar that the angels told the shepherds, you know, you're going to go find this kid in Bethlehem. And they're like, there's a lot of kids in Bethlehem, especially with the census going on, right? And he's like, but this one's going to be unique. Yeah, he'll be wrapped in traditional cloths, but he's going to be in a manger. You don't see that too often. So that was like this indicator. This is a very unique thing. How humbly, how lowly did Jesus come to not only be born, not, not, there's no room in the inn, not even to be born in a room in the inn, but to be laid in an animal feeding trough. How humble is the king of kings. There was not merely a declaration of peace when they said, peace on earth. It wasn't just a declaration proclaimed from the heavens. No, the host of heaven came to earth and proclaimed that peace had now come. God had not just spoken. God had taken action on behalf of sinful flesh. God had taken action that must be taken. It was the only way by which we would be saved from our sin. The promise of Genesis 3 had now come to fruition. The promise from the very beginning was now here with us. What a night to be in those fields and for the angels to unleash a song they had longed to sing from the beginning of creation. Now we finally get to declare that our Messiah is here. He will be the door that all must pass through to be reconciled to God. He will be the king. In the book of prophet Isaiah, this passage will be on the screen. It's a passage we're pretty familiar with, I think. But in Isaiah 9, 6, notice something about Jesus. It's a prophetic message speaking of the Messiah. It says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You see, church, what's powerful about looking at who Jesus is, what he came to accomplish at the first advent, is that God did not call us to a neutral city to have discussions at a table about how we can come to an agreement of peace with him. He sent the Prince of Peace himself. He sent peace to us, complete and whole, to be received and done with. The title Prince of Peace explains the results of his reign. The term prince, it doesn't imply royalty per se, but one who administers something. It means he's going to minister peace to you and to me. In this case, the child king will be the administrator of peace, or more appropriately, the administrator of wholeness or completeness. He came not just for us, but as one of us. He came in human flesh, fully embracing humanity by becoming a human being himself. The emphasis of the name is that he will spread whole and complete idealness on earth, and especially to those in his command, he is the prince of peace. He is the one who is able to make peace, not negotiate for it. For Jesus himself made peace between God and humanity. And the question that we should ask at that point is how? Because if we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, we have to talk about how he died too. And then we need to talk about how he rose. Amen? You see, guys, this is, oh, cute. (laughs) You guys, This is such a powerful thing to talk about in the context of gazing at the manger. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Paul writes this, and he's speaking of Jesus. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
This declaration of peace was an action that God took, and it would be fulfilled the moment that Jesus died on the cross for the sin of humanity. That's where we find the peace that we're longing for is there at the foot of the cross, where our sins are forgiven by a holy and righteous God who died in our place. We cannot talk about the birth of Jesus without talking about his death. And then we have to celebrate in his resurrection. Because he didn't remain in the tomb, did he? Jesus rose again, amen? Meaning that that offer of peace to you has been ratified, it's been verified, it's been fulfilled. You just have to receive it. We're saved by grace through faith. He did all the work. Glory to Jesus. Having made peace with humanity by grace through faith, we're able to receive this free gift of salvation by belief and confession as Paul reveals in Romans 10. He says, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. How many? Oh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone all? Yeah, good. That's great. You guys, the message of salvation is so liberating. It's so exciting. And do you know what it does for you and I? When we come to Jesus and we say, I believe. When I place my trust in him, his peace comes into me. His Holy Spirit dwells within me. I can have peace if I'm willing to come to Jesus and make him Lord of my life. He is the prince of peace where he administrates the peace of God, where God comes in love to human beings and unites with them. There is peace made between God and humankind and among people together. Do you struggle? You're like, oh, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm good with God, but I really struggle with other people. That's indicative of a break in your relationship with God. If you struggle with having peace with others, oh, you, you may not be able to be at peace with everyone, but if you're filled with constant relational strife, Go to Jesus and ask him to give you his peace. Are you afraid of God's wrath? Go to the child in the manger and receive there the peace of God. Have you fallen into strife and hatred with your sister or your brother? Come and see how God, out of pure love, has become our brother and wants to reconcile not just with us, but wants to reconcile us with each other. Something's going to happen tomorrow. I'm off notes, so pray for me. <laughs> Something's going to happen tomorrow. Many of us, if not most of us, are going to be around family. Family that we don't have to see very often. Now, that's not the case for all of us, but for some of us, you're going to be around extended family. <laughs> now, for some, that's a very exciting proposition. For others, it's sheer terror. You know, you're like, Christmas is not a season of rest. It's a season I got to like do sit-ups for. I got to get ready. I got to, I know the conversations I'm going to hear at the dinner table. Maybe what we ought to do this evening, or if your family gathering is this evening, we can pray for you right now. But like, maybe what we ought to do before we go through all that struggle with just inner relationships and our families and our friends, the things that come during the holidays, maybe we ought to pray 
instead of being anxious, instead of being filled with strife, instead of being stressed out about it, maybe, and I'm not saying maybe as this is like a suggestion, this is what we ought to do. We ought to pray. And we ought to ask the Lord to give us his peace and give us his love for our families. Do you realize that those that you're having a hard time with in your family need grace and kindness and mercy just as much as you do? They need to see Christ in you. They need to see the love of the Lord shine out of you this holiday. And I encourage you to not miss that opportunity. Don't dread your family gathering. They're like, you don't know my family. You don't know my family. Don't dread your family gathering. Ask the Lord to give you his mercy, his grace, his encouragement, and his peace. Come and see how God has brought this peace to us as we look at the manger this morning. This child is the Prince of Peace, and I need to remind you, please hear me, church, where he is, peace reigns. Where Jesus is, peace reigns. Church, we know what anxiety, strife, sorrow, grief, frustration We know all these things are going to be experienced in this life. It's a guarantee. We're going to go through difficulty. We're going to face those things. They have no power over us in Christ Jesus to rob us of peace. No power whatsoever. You're like, but I'm I'm constantly overcome with it. I know how you feel, but that's us walking in the flesh and not the spirit. If we walk in the spirit, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are going to have his peace always Because nothing takes that away from us. You guys, because God has made peace with us, and because the making of peace resides completely within his power and his ability, then we place our trust in Christ, he enters our hearts, and where he is, peace reigns. The good news that the angels declared, the first gospel presentation of Christ, what was the good news? It wasn't that God had sent a soldier or a judge or a reformer, but that he had sent a savior to meet humanity's need. That's why so many missed it. They were looking for the judge. They were looking for the soldier. They were looking for the reformer. And here's the child. Here's the answer laying in an animal feeding trough. Here's God's answer for humanity's problem, humbly wrapped in claws as a baby in a manger. How can we not take a moment and marvel at the amazing love of God? As we look at Jesus, are you not overwhelmed at the love of Christ for us? That he didn't count equality with God, as Paul would write later to the Philippians, as something to be grasped at, but he humbled himself and became a man. And not just a man who was laid in an animal feeding trough, but a man who would go to a Roman cross and suffer the most shameful death of his time. All for us. God did not send a soldier or a judge or a reformer. He sent a savior to meet our greatest need. It was a message of peace to a world that had known so much war. And in the midst of our world today, do we not need the peace that comes through Jesus Christ? Do we not need his peace right now on our earth today? And do you know how God has chosen to administer that peace to the world today? How's it going to happen? Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has administered his peace to this world today through his church, through his people. That's why Paul says to the Corinthians, he's entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Read 2 Corinthians 5. 
That's what it's all about. He says, you are Christ's ambassadors. We're like, what am I supposed to say? You are speaking the message that God has created the ability for all to be at peace with him through Jesus Christ. You are calling a broken, war-torn world to come to the Savior, to look at the manger and say, this is the answer to our problem. That's what we're here for. That's what we've been entrusted with. In the war of our own hearts, we battle this. And the answer is the Holy Spirit that resides inside of you, church. If you struggle with peace within, you're not alone. We look for peace in so many other places, but Christ has given it to us by the power of the Spirit in our very hearts. Epictetus was a first century writer. He recognized the inability of humanity to find true peace. He said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea. He is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. We do yearn for outward peace, but I I think it's a human condition that we understand how difficult it is to have peace in our own hearts. But church, where Jesus is, peace reigns. Christ in our hearts is the very peace of God within us. And if you're having a hard time, if you're struggling, I want to direct you to the manger again. I want to direct your gaze and your attention to the manger again and recognize that God sent the Prince of Peace to save us from our sin. Gaze into the manger There, wrapped in strips of cloth, is the peace of God, not only declared to humanity, but provided as a ransom for lost sinners. And when we embrace Christ, when we make him Lord of our life, when we return to that place and say, Lord, I want you to just fill me and use me and empower me, it's then when he does the work in our heart that he's going to use us to reach others. Maybe we've gotten it backwards a little bit. Maybe we need to spend some time with him. Maybe we need to spend some time in community and ask the Lord to settle our hearts again, to give us peace so that we can then take that peace to the world in the message of the gospel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Jesus does not want to set up his kingdom of peace by force, but where people willingly submit themselves to him and let him rule over them, he will give them his wonderful peace. Where people willingly submit themselves to him and let him rule over them, he will give them his wonderful peace. There is a difference between recognition of who Jesus is and making him Lord of your life. There is a difference between saying, I think that's God. In Mark's gospel, Jesus is, teaching and a scribe is listening to him and he hears how wisely jesus answers some questions that were brought to him very aggressively and so he comes to jesus and he says what's the greatest commandment you probably remember the story and jesus said the greatest commandment is this you love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and he says and love your neighbor as yourself until that moment there is no written record anywhere of the greatest commandment being loving God with all of your being and loving your neighbor being the same. That was so counterculture to Jesus's time where he says, here's the deal, loving God and loving one another go together, right? And the scribe says, you're right. He says, you're right. It is better 
to love God with all your heart, to love your neighbor, than to give all the sacrifices in the world. And you would look at that scribe and be like, he gets it. And Jesus says what to him? He says, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. Why would Jesus say to him, you're not far instead of, all right, come and follow me. Because there's a difference between recognizing that Jesus was wise, recognizing that what he said was true, and making him Lord of your life. There's a difference. We're not called to come to the Christmas season. We're not called to come to the manger and to look at the newborn baby, to look at Jesus without being broached with that necessary decision. He doesn't just want you to recognize that he's God. He wants you to make him Lord of your life because that's what you were created for. You were created to follow Jesus. You were created to be made a new creation because sin has wrecked us and God wants to remake you in Christ. All those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. All the old passes away. Behold, the new comes. And he wants to use you. He wants to make you part of his family. He wants to walk with you. He wants fellowship with you. We're not here to recognize. God didn't just recognize the brokenness of humanity. He didn't just recognize that we lacked peace. He came and he did something about it. And he says, you must believe. You must place your trust in him. Jesus must be Lord of our life. Church, let us gaze into the manger. As God stands in for godlessness as love stands in for hate, and as the Holy One stands in for the sinner. Let us declare along with the hosts of heaven, glory to God in the highest, and peace is here on earth to people he favors. Peace has come because Jesus has come, and where Jesus is, peace reigns. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you the message of your word we thank you for an opportunity to gather this morning as your church as your body and lord i don't know the depth of what's going on inside of all the hearts here in this room lord i don't know what they're going through maybe some are having a fantastic time maybe this is the the pinnacle of the week i hope it is God, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them and use them in their families this weekend. And Lord, for those who may have come this morning and they're just struggling, barely getting through the door, feel like they're losing every battle they're facing. God, would you show us that our identity is not to be found in what we have accomplished, but Jesus, because of what you have accomplished, that's where our identity is found. We are seen in you. We are seen as righteous, washed, and cleansed. When the Father, the Creator, the God of heaven and earth looks at us. Jesus, all because you came. All because you condescended. You did not remain far off or distant. But you came and you were born in human flesh. And there is, we just picture you laying in that manger. How could we not want to fall to our knees before you? And worship you as the shepherds did. Bring you gifts as the wise men did. Lord, celebrate your coming as Simeon did at the temple. And he said, now I can depart in peace. For I have seen not just God in human flesh. I have seen the salvation that God has sent to human beings. 
What a powerful thing for us to remember. Lord, I pray that this morning as we celebrate you and as we just enjoy hearing beautiful music, Lord, singing songs together, that you would wrap us in your love, that the word and the message of your peace would settle deep into our hearts and that we would be able to pass that on to our families this holiday, to our church family. God, I pray that it would just spark so much joy inside of us, Lord, that we couldn't contain it. We'd have to talk about you. Lord, be the focus and the center of our celebrations because you are the focus and the center and the Lord of our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.